Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show that attempts to combine two of your three favorite F-words, that being food and football. The third is clearly and obviously fun houses. Get your mind out of the gutter. Mr. Nate Geary, how are you doing this evening, man? That's a sigh if ever I've heard one. Hey, uh, yeah, we we had a social funeral today. We buried the 2021 season of Tredavious White today. So, yes, I, you know if you if you listen very closely, you can hear taps playing mm. in the background softly, gently. It's just it's a total thing. You know, Nate, I got to bring up while we're on the topic right off the bat. Before I actually ask this question, guys, you know, if you're in the comments section, like, subscribe, rate, review, YouTube Super Chats get priority, the whole thing, all the engagement things, press all the buttons that help us reach more people. Appreciate you. Love you. Thank you. But Nate, you said last night on social media that if Tredavious White was indeed out, you were going to start to turn your attention to the draft. Love it with me. Yeah. Yeah. Overreacting? Mm. Underreacting? How do you feel now that it's actually here? Reacting in the heat of the moment? Maybe saying things you don't mean? Not that anyone has ever done that before on social no, never. media. Where are you actually at here, Nate? I am... I'm at a place where I've got to probably see it to change it. Um, if that makes sense, I've, I'm going to have to see what this looks like for me to not think about you know, let's, let's talk about next season. And, you know, I, maybe that's the, that that's the wrong way. Maybe that's the, the, the negative Nancy way of looking at this whole thing. But I, I, I look at the cornerback position in today's NFL as one of the premier positions, similar in the same breath as the left tackle, um, as the franchise wide receiver, um, as the franchise defensive end, 
uh, they are in that same category. And and moving into that category is the slot corner. And, and you know, obviously the Bills have that. And Taron Johnson, I've seen a lot of questions. You know, okay, what about moving Taron Johnson to the outside? No, that's not going to happen. Um, what about, you know, shifting the scheme after week 12 into more of 4-3 looks and 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 maybe moving Taron Johnson to the outside? Nope, that's, that's not going to happen. The Bills are going to remain who they are. They're going to simply swap in Dane Jackson and pray to God that Dane Jackson and Levi Willis can remain healthy for the remaining six games and uh, and into the playoffs. And and this is a problem, Bruce, that many of us unfortunately uh, feared as a worst case scenario coming into the season is is if there was an injury to the corner room, could they withstand it? And 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 me all along was sort of saying if there's an injury to Trey White. Um, they could be in, in a dire, dire situation. And here we are. And, and, and certainly this is a defense that I think is predicated more on the safety and linebacker play, right? Bruce and, uh, the, the middle and the back end of this defense really make up, um, and, and, and give the freedom for a Tredavious white to play more aggressive, knowing he's got guys over the top of him. But I, I just don't think you can truly, I, I, it's hard to appreciate um, the role, the value, uh, and what Tredavious White brings to this team from a confidence perspective, um, especially on the back end, the confidence that that gives Jordan Poyer, the confidence that it gives Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott when they're calling plays. I, I, I this is a monumental uh, domino-like loss for this roster and for this team at, at I just think the one, one of the most difficult times um, that that it could happen, sort of already as things uh, it sort of felt like last week in that Colts game, the wheels are starting to fall off the bus here. Right. And the bills need a performance on, on Thursday night on Thanksgiving to sort of bring back um, the, the good faith, the good tides um, here in Buffalo. And, you know, you, you, you can't even really enjoy the win properly um, because the loss of uh, and, and the, the evident loss, I think, I think a lot of people saw the replay uh, read the tweets, saw the emotion from Tredavious White, and and we all feared the worst and waited for the results today. And uh, I can't say that I was surprised, uh, but Bruce, this is um, a monumental loss for a team still right now struggling to find its identity and its formula. And this is something that that Tom Brady talked about last year. The Bucks were seven and five, and they were still searching for the formula to win. That's what they were talking about this year. Again, is trying to find that formula to win. And typically you're finding that formula going into December. And now as you want to try to find that roadmap, that formula, you sort of have to go back to the drawing board. Um, so I, I think for me, there's, there's a lot of uh, layers to this loss more than just a, a shutdown corner. Uh, but the confidence that that sort of predicates uh, his value on this roster. I agree with a lot of that. I agree with the domino effect most significantly. Uh, people are going to realize that Trey was a glue that kept a lot of this stuff going together. Let's go to the chat real fast. Richard Rush in the chat says, happy leftovers day. Agreed. I've Any had cool? a lot of leftovers. I have eaten in the last 72 hours a full pecan pie. I ate an entire apple pie. It's Okay, cool, 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 cool. So between you and I, what are those what, – what is the calorie count on, on a on – a, on a pecan and an apple pie. Uh, you know what? I, I think it's best we don't know. I think each slice of apple pie is something like 400 calories. So a slice that's 3,200 calories for a pie of apple pie, roughly, depending on how you cut it. Pie. So calories. Cam Greasy in the chat is, is hitting F. His panners respects. 
ladies and gentlemen, if in the comments, go ahead and hit F. We're paying respects to Tredavious White. Hit F for respect. Attica says, love your show, fellas. Bruce, your camera's not working for some reason. <laughs> Guys, it's the darndest thing. You know, the drivers are just not updated. I tried. I really tried this time around, folks. I was really trying for you. It's those darn drivers. They just couldn't get it happening. Eric is in the chat. Hashtag Dane Jackson season. You know what? I was told it was Dane Jackson season when he was going to replace Levi yeah, Wallace. That's what I heard. Season. That's what I heard. That's yeah. what I heard. It's the second so. Jane Dane Jackson season in the calendar year. By the way, Bruce, I'd like to point out Pecan Pie per slice, a mere 117 calories. So, sir, the this chiseled body brought to you by Pecan Pie. Yeah. 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 We'll go, we'll go with that. Body by Pecan. <laughs> Body by Pecan sounds good. Body by Pecan. I'm down for it. JR in the comments says, hey, everyone, Nate, Bruce, JR, my man. Richard Greenwood says, Richard Sherman. Um, Sherman is on, on a roster and also hurt. So And also old. And also that's absolutely old. Yes, for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Yes. So Dawn says, hey, guys, sorry I was late. You know what, Dawn? I forgive you, but don't I let can, it happen I again. Can find, I can find a way in my heart to... Uh... To thank you. And Don also updates us that the Sabres are in fact up four to one. So I could not possibly be less of a hockey guy. Hmm. I, in fact, I have the word Sabres muted on Twitter. Is that right? I, don't, I have no idea. I don't even oh. want to know because what happens is I end up getting caught up in this weird emotional swing that comes along with the Sabres because there's overlap oh, between gosh, Sabres and yeah. Bills fans. And I don't want to be part of it. I don't no, know anything call. about hockey. I don't want to know anything about hockey. I don't even want to see anything about hockey. So for me, I'm taking a step past not knowing about hockey to the point where I'm literally putting on the sensory deprivator 5,000 onto my head and saying, no, 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 I'm not a hockey guy. I've tried to be a hockey guy. I wanted to be a hockey guy, but I have only room in my heart for two loves when it comes mm. to sports. It's football and fighting, and that's it. And speaking yeah. of F words that aren't football and fighting – we're going to talk about fair food. How you like that for a transition? Almost wow. like I've been doing this before. But specifically, I want to talk about fair food because this entire week has been kind of a circus. Yes, it, yes, it has. And this was really a suggestion from someone who follows us on Twitter. And it was specifically after the Colts game. We should do circus food or fair food mm -hmm. because everything's been kind of a circus. So I want to talk a little bit about fair food. I will tell you this. Okay. You go to job interviews, Nate. I go to job interviews. You know, we we've we've all had an opportunity to sit in that side of the chair sure. before. And one of the greatest interview questions that has ever been posed to me in my entire life was a gentleman who asked me a question, and he said, "Bruce," except not really Bruce. He said, "Bruce, I would like to pose, if I may, a question to you." He says, "If you're at a carnival or a fair, and you have a dollar to spend," If you have a dollar to spend, <laughs> Craig Jackson is in the comments and just put best fair food is a big glass of water. Am I right? Craig, that was great. Oh yeah, Craig. You got to go back and listen to last week's episode. But yes! this, guy who, this guy who was interviewing me said, if you have an opportunity to spend your $1 on either a piece of food or a ride mm. or a game, mm. what are you going to spend it on? That's it. Now the point of... The exercise, the reason why the interview question exists and the reason why I really enjoy it is because prioritization only occurs due to lack of resources. 
If resources are no issue, if money is no object, then it doesn't matter what your priorities are because you're not forced to make decisions based on limited priorities. So what they want to know is what do you value when right. you can't have it all? And that's what they're trying to get out of this interview question. And he was expecting me to say fair food because a lot of people say fair food. And they always mm -hmm. say, well, I can't get you know this particular sausage sandwich or these particular French fries. But I sat for a moment and I said, I have it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick a game. And he goes, why? I said, because there's plenty of people out there who can't win the game, but they still want the prize. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend my dollar, win the game, and then sell the prize to someone who can't get the prize by beating the game and then make more money. That was my answer. So I trickle down economics is what I you're will saying. Turn you're... A profit. I'm going to turn sure. a profit on the dollar that you gave me. That was the answer. He sat for a second. He said, Bruce, that's a good answer. I like that answer. I did end up getting the job in case you were wondering. Yeah, I did end up getting out. that particular job. But a lot of people take fair food. So I hope I've stalled long enough. <clears throat> I hope I've stalled long enough for you to be able to give me no. your fair food, Nate. Surely you I have. You have. And I, 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 my, my follow-up question is, with my fair food, do I also have the choice of a, of a, a beverage to go with it? Yeah, I'll Can I have food not? with a beverage? Okay. Sure. Um, so the first thing I'm doing when I get to the fair is I am IDing the Blooming Onion stand because the Blooming Onion is the ultimate fair food to me. Um, and that's the first thing I'm looking for, regardless of whether it's the, the locally here, Bruce got the Eden Corn Festival. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're at a lawn fete. We're at a, you know, a church uh, festival. We're at the Erie County Fair. We're at the Syracuse State Fair. It doesn't matter what it is. The first thing I'm doing is I'm saying, where is the Blooming Onion stand? And uh, the, if, if it's a good Blooming Onion stand, Bruce, it'll have multiple sauces you can dip it in. Secondarily to that, the, the next thing that I do, I've got Blooming Onion in hand. I'm not going to even take a bite before I find the giant lemon that opens up and it's got fresh, quote unquote, fresh lemonade which it's not really lemonade. It's just, you know, it's some lemons that are, you know, they got the little, uh, the, the, the juicing contraption. They just dump a bunch of sugar, a bunch of water and a bunch of fresh squeezed lemon, uh, lemon. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that, that is the one for me that that's the combination that I seek. Uh, yes, it's the, it's the, the, the lemon, the lemon shake up that's got mostly sugar. And then at the bottom, you're, the big straw that that like sounds like like you, you've got to use two hands to shove it down the thing. Uh, and then the first sip that you get is just like a little bit of liquid with like a whole slew of granulated wet sugar. Um, and that, my friend, is fair food uh, personified, I believe. I hope I hope, Bruce, that I embraced this exercise with as much detail as you intended me to. You absolutely did. And I, quite frankly, I think that's completely fair. Okay. But don't. Anyway, <laughs> if you, you're going to go with me now, Mrs. Nolan would like to chime in here. Mrs. Nolan says, um, funnel cake, unquestionably funnel cake and fries with like a load of malt vinegar. Mrs. Oh, Nolan yeah. is a fries Ribbon with cut. vinegar person. Ribbon I am cut. not a fries with vinegar person. I, I cannot do. I cannot do the vinegar. It just stinks up the entire place. But, but 
Richard Rush says in the comment, I can hear Nate getting diabetes. Literally, I yeah. can hear, I can actually hear it happening. I can hear the body's reaction to what mm -hmm. I'm doing. For me personally, there's something about sausage that you get at the fair that's just better. Those big you know why? sausage. You want to know why? I actually have a theory on this, and I'm glad that you brought it up. I'm listening. It's the fact that it's cooked on a flat top, of course, right? Of course. But it's cooked in the 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 onion and pepper juice and then it sits and it just kind of cooks in this congealed liquid that sits on the flat top that is my i don't know what that juice is um but i'm sure that it cannot be replicated anywhere else in the earth other than the fair that makes sense that's completely fair I just did it again. It's just the juices. Yeah, you did. You did use fair unironically two times. Yeah, didn't even didn't even intend didn't even intend to do that. But we need to get to football because we got a guest coming here, and I want to ask you, Nate, the swing of emotions mm. that Bills Mafia has been through over the last five days. Holy mother of Troy! The Colts loss, the victory. Josh Allen throwing a bad interception, but then also coming back and throwing four touchdowns and ended up with mm -hmm. a pretty good game. And then Trey White gets hurt. It's all up and down. And, and the game of 2020, the inconsistency and the roller coaster of 2020 continues. Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders, actually tweeted out that mathematically speaking, based on their models, based on DVOA swings, the Bills are literally the most inconsistent team they've ever charted so far. <laughs> and that's that pretty much tracks. You have the Bills absolutely dominating inferior teams and then losing close to good teams and then getting blown out by the Colts. So if the last two games were a meal, what would they be? What kind of meal represents the highs and the lows that we've seen over the last five days, Nate. If I'm if I'm being honest, Bruce, I think I need to hear yours before I go. You, because you I know that this was you didn't the most write this one down. No, I, I knew that this was going to be the most well thought out thing that I've ever heard. So I'm just going to give you the stage on this one, Bruce. Okay. The last five days were a big old bag of popcorn, and I will oh. tell you why it's a big old bag of popcorn. Now. When you go to the movie theater and you get a big old bag of popcorn, they ask you if you want salt, they ask you if you want butter, and you do that. But it never gets mixed appropriately, Nate. No. At no point is it mixed appropriately. The first time you put your hand in, you get the perfect amount of butter and salt on that popcorn, and you think this is going to be the best bag of popcorn I have ever received in my entire life. And then three pops later, Three kernels later, you're like, what is this? I'm never having popcorn ever again in my life. And by the time you get to the end of the bag and you realize that about 5% of it is just straight kernels and you've just wasted it, you feel terrible about yourself, you're still hungry, mind you, because popcorn's mm -hmm. not filling at all. You've wasted all these calories. Your fingers are greasy and you go, what was I doing here? What was the plan? I know that there was an idea at some point when I ordered this popcorn that I was going to be satisfied with what I got. And I had some highs and I had some lows, but now I'm just confused. And I don't really know, am I supposed to go back there? Is there an appropriate time in the movie where I can run back to the stand and get something else? No, you're stuck there in the movie theater with your greasy fingers going, <laughs> there was a plan at some point here. I know that I had a good idea and it just didn't work out that way. Bam. That 
is what the last five days represented to me. Let me tell you what the last five days represented to me, uh, Bruce, or, or in, in food form here. And, and I'm going to stick close to our fair theme here. And I'm going to go corn dog because in theory, Bruce, it has everything that you want, right? It, it's got cornbread. Love cornbread. I love hot dogs. The problem is, is that hot dog is the worst hot dog that has ever been earthed on this fine, on this fine world that we live in, right? Like it is the lowest quality meat that you've ever tasted. It is bologna inside of cornbread masked as a corn dog. Um, and, and I think in that first game, Bruce, everything about that matchup, the bills beat them in the wild card round last year soundly. They come into this football game thinking you're at home, an opportunity to really separate yourself in this division and in this conference and be the team that people wanted you to be. Be the hot dog that you wanted it to be, and instead you take that bite, and the first thing you taste is bologna and a chipped tooth from biting into the stick. So I believe the last five days to me, and then the cornbread saves it at the end. Cornbread's not sexy. And the, that, that win on Thursday night, I have no idea, Bruce, what to make of that win because they did it against a team that did not have 14 of its starters from week one. It did. It had Trevor Simeon at quarterback, which I, I, what, what are you supposed to take from any game that Trevor Simeon quarterbacks in the Lord's year 2021? And listen, as much as I love TJ Jones, um, you know, come on. Um, I, 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 I get to... There are nuanced corn dogs, and there's one here in the city of Buffalo at this terrific restaurant that, Bruce, I'm going to have you take Miss Nolan out to in the new year. The next time you come up for Oliver's. Oliver's is the fine dining personified in Buffalo. They have a Wagyu steak corn dog. Oh. That is the kind of corn dog that I'd like to see the Bills be for the rest of the season. Wagyu steak. None of this fair, trash-ass, baloney corn dogs. I rest my case. JR comes in with this. That's why you buy snacks at the dollar store and sneak them in. I just wanted you to know, JR, I literally just got a text from Mrs. Nolan saying, JR's got it right. This is the way to do it. <laughs> so you just got a shout out, JR, via text from my wife who said, absolutely, that's why you sneak it in. And it's 920. Speaking you know of sneaking that, it in. Sneak, speaking of sneaking it in, we're going to go ahead and sneak Mr. Aaron Quinn in from cover one. Mr. Aaron Quinn, thanks so much for joining us, man. How you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. Although when Nate asked me to come on, I thought there was going to be a case of Jenny weighing on my front door today. No. And I've been looking all day. I've been peeking out. I haven't seen it yet. So I, maybe you forgot? Or No, you'll be waiting. Yeah, you'll be waiting. <laughs> I drink the Jennies when they come in, buddy. All right, all right. <laughs> no Jenny for you. He's the Jenny Nazi. That, no Jenny exactly for you. Right. Slaps, your hip, slaps your wrist. <sighs> Tough. Now, Mr. Quinn, the, the title of this episode is How Long? And it's not how long has this been going on. It's not any of that stuff. It's no musical numbers involved here. What I want to know is how long before panic sets in or subsides? How much longer down the road do we have to go? Because let's be honest, on Sunday, it was not great out in those social media streets. Mm. It was not great in the world of Bill's Mafia. If Bill's Mafia was a zip code, it would have been on fire. Yeah. But you would think that this game, after a resounding victory, 31-6, to six, over a 500 team, would be enough 
to make that happen. But the loss of Trey White, the fact that the Saints were incredibly beat up, really kind of takes a lot of the spark out of that particular victory. So my question is, when are we going to know whether panic is either setting in or is it subsiding? Is it just going to be one game? If the Bills come out and they beat the New England Patriots, are we good now? Like, are we back to being like on track? Or is it going to take more than that, given what we've seen? Well, as we all know all too well, uh, with Bill's Mafia, it's minute to minute uh, on Twitter of second panic second, and, and, and greatness <laughs> and panic and greatness. And it depends on what, t- what time I log in. Uh, but in the scheme of this team in this year, I think it's ele- the next 11 days. Uh, when they play the Patriots, I think if they come out and win that game, no matter how they win it, I think that you can kind of push some of the panic aside and say, okay, this is a legitimate playoff team. You know, maybe they aren't the Super Bowl contender we thought they were in August, but I don't know who is right now in the NFL, right? So if they can get into that dance, like Josh Allen says, you get into the dance, anything can happen. And I believe this year is probably more true than any year that whatever team gets hot at the right time and gets in really has a legitimate chance. If they go out and lose to the Patriots, it's full on panic. It's the uh, community gif where he walks in uh, with pizza and the flames are on fire and everything's gone wrong. You cannot lose to the Patriots. Uh, There's too much scar tissue still built up from the drought uh, that that they're even right there and and could be again in first place if they beat Tennessee. There's too much panic already setting in with Bill's Mafia and the national media and how they're talking about the Patriots, where if they drop the game to the Patriots, Twitter might just burn to the to the ground. I get it completely. We got a super chat here from Patton. Who better to save us tonight than the OG Levi Wallace Stan, the defender slash Taron Johnson slash right, Johnson, the defender yeah. of reasonable defensive backs everywhere, Aaron <laughs> Quinn. Yeah. Thanks all for the awesome content this year, guys. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Patton and I have a long, long history relationship of food takes and all this stuff like this. And we actually were DMing back and forth about mac and cheese recipes before Thanksgiving. So I appreciate that, Patton. You're the man. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that a lot. Now, Aaron, I got a question for you about New England. Is there a scenario where the Buffalo Bills lose to New England and it's still okay? The panic hasn't set in yet? Is there qualitatively a style of loss that means that the panic hasn't quite set in yet? Or is it just no matter how it goes down, it's done? For Bill's Mafia, no. I, I think any style loss, the, the panic's fully set in. Nate's phone lines are blowing up post-game. Mm-hmm. It is just total chaos. I do think, however, and I was saying this before the Saints game, the Bills could have dropped that game and the season wasn't over, even though it felt like if they dropped that game, the whole season was over. They can lose to the Patriots and not all is lost. I know that sounds crazy uh, and we would it would take some weeks to get over that in a really hot streak of games and really running through a month and a half of football uh, uh, playing at a much better level with consistency than we've seen. You mentioned that Aaron Chats stat of the inconsistent variable that this Bills team would. They have to level that off and play at a better level. It doesn't have to come in a level days but gosh guys if it doesn't I, I might have to stay off i might have to delete my twitter again uh and run away from bill's mafia because yeah i don't think the fan base as a whole if they drop the game to the patriots no matter how it happens i don't think they're going to be able to stand it the panic will set in the insecurities of the drought will just take over and, and it will be unleashed upon everybody 
Aaron, so I, I, I saw a really interesting point uh, on Twitter, and I wanted to ask you this question because I, I, I think consensus would say, and the argument to be had here is losing Tredavious White really hurts you in matchups against teams like the Kansas City Chiefs, right? These, these pass-heavy teams. But what would you say if I told you the real concern for me comes in these matchups against the New England Patriots, where you're going to have a team that can establish the run and the pressure then mounts on your on your corners because you have to dedicate extra bodies and people to the box and in the mm-hmm. run game, and that that therefore the pressure really starts to mount on those corners on the outside. Is there a particular matchup now you become worried about without Tredavious White in the lineup? And and maybe you want to touch on on, on sort of what you believe White overall brings to this lineup that that maybe he doesn't necessarily get the credit that he deserves for, or, or maybe there's there's layers to his game that you believe are underappreciated. So for me, obviously, I'm with everybody. The The loss of Tredavious White is totally devastating. Uh, it hurts. NFL teams lose players every year, uh, and, and some teams get over it and some teams don't. So I'm not with everybody that is in full panic mode that this guy is falling. I love Tredavious White. It's going to be a real schematic issue for Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott to hide some of the deficiencies at cornerback when you're going up against teams with real number one wide receivers. And I think that's really the biggest thing for Trey white is when there's a receiver that, you know, Bruce, you and I have talked a number of times. We both wanted the bills to draft the cornerback because Levi does lack athleticism. Right. And, and Trey white's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he can hang because of his technique. And he does have good athleticism and the way he plays with fire. He can hang with these number one wide receivers, these really good route runners. So that's the matchups that concern me the most is when they get into guys that are really good route runners can win, one-on-one matchups Trey can hang with those guys uh but Levi I think he's gonna struggle you know I love him as a, a normal adequate above average cornerback too I don't love him having to shadow a team's number one wide receiver that's a, that's an area of issue but the uh scenario you brought up Nate New England in a run defense I actually like Dane Jackson a lot in run support I think that's probably right now the best part of his game I don't I don't like him in coverage but in run support he reminds me a lot of Taron Johnson he can come up and play the run I I really like that aspect of his game Taron gives you that you know everybody when the uh, even the Saints try to force them out of nickel by bringing in some bigger personnel and the Bills refuse to do it they're staying there they love Taron in that run support role and another thing I've been telling people is, you know, yes, it's it's terrible to lose Trey, but they still have elite safety play behind them. They, in my opinion, they have uh, above average to elite linebacker coverage play. Uh, and Matt Milano's playing with his hair on fire. And, and him being in this lineup and getting Starla Tula bit layback really makes me feel like they can really play with most of these teams in the run game. You know, going up against Jonathan Taylor is a, a tall task and, and comparing this, saying this run game is who they were against the Colts, I don't think is fair without Starla Tule, without Tremaine Edmonds. So not all is lost. This is still a good defense. It's still actually a very good back seven. It's just missing a cornerstone piece. But I think they Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott can hide some of that against some of these bad teams, but it's really going to show up when there's a real wide receiver one and a quarterback that can pick on a, a Levi Wallace or pick on a Dane Jackson. And that's where you're going to see the problems. But I don't think that's New England. I don't think Mac Jones is going to come out and pick on Levi Wallace and Dane mm-hmm. Jackson. I don't know that they have a receiver that's really going to just give them such fits uh, that they really going to notice that loss. And I do think they're good in run support. And even Levi's pretty good in run support. Bills Buccaneers in two weeks yeah, that's with cool. Chris Godwin and Antonio <sighs> Brown will be back by then. Right. And Mike Evans, that doesn't make me happy. 
No. When I look at the no. wide receivers for the Buccaneers up against what is now the Bills corners, not but if you, a fan. If you steal that game, or not steal, if you win the game against the Patriots, like I was saying last week, you don't need that Saints game. You don't right. need that Bucks game. You need the Patriots game. Couple comments here. John Herring says, I was going to say Dane Jackson is Winfield in run support. Okay, now that's that's maybe the greatest run defense corner of all time. <laughs> and, and one of my favorite Buffalo Bills ever yeah. is Antoine I've Winfield. A, I've got a signed Antoine Winfield jersey somewhere in my closet. Oh, in your closet? Why is it not framed? Why is it not hanging up behind you? Because uh, that's 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 special for my Colch flag. That's thing above the Colch flags kind of gross. We'll, we'll talk about that. that. You mean you, you mean the team that's going to be in the in the college football uh, playoff in a couple of weeks? We'll or? see. Yeah, no. Actually, for yeah, the... Bruce and I tomorrow. We might not even be friends tomorrow. We'll have to see. Yeah, yes. I, I, I did hear that. I did mm-hmm. hear that about yes. Bruce. And for those who are not uh, watching live, Nate has a Fighting Irish flag behind him. Aaron is a University of Michigan fan, and I am an Ohio State Buckeye alum. So Big that's weekend. always. Really good. John Doe in the comment section says, show your face, Bruce. I think that's very funny coming from a guy named Coming from John, John Doe. <laughs> so I think, guys, the FBI has the found me. He's not lost on me. No, uh, the, that uh, irony the, is not lost. The FBI has found me. So that's yeah. that. Now, Aaron, I want to I want to turn the attention to available free agent corners. Okay. Because that's the thing that people go to when they think about a loss. And we all know that it's not going to be a top fill. It's going to be a back fill. You're not bringing somebody in off the street to plug in and start. That's not how this works. But when you look at backfill, when you look at EJ Gaines, you look at Daryl Warrior, you look at players on the street. Tell me how you prioritize this if you're looking to add someone potentially as a practice squad player to get up to speed while you are making sure the numbers are right at corner. Because the Bills have historically run a little bit light at corner numbers. It's one of the things that makes me... Oh, so happy on game days is when they make sure that they have you know four corners active and I want to cry. But when that happens and they bring somebody in, where are you turning your attention? <sighs> Isaiah McKenzie? No. Uh, uh, I really like EJ Gaines, to be honest, in this scenario. Um, Nate, I remember being with you a couple summers ago, and mm-hmm. he was flashing a ton in that training camp. He is, when healthy has been in the past a good system fit for what the bills want the problem is he's never available he can't stay healthy and i don't know where he's at two years removed from the last time i saw him uh but he's a guy that they are familiar with and i think that knows the system knows his role within this system and has had success in the system before uh Worley is a guy that has all those other things knows the system uh, they know him, but last time we saw him, it was pretty bad. I, I don't even think I want him as a backfill type guy, but I'm really in on gains. I think he fits what they need in that backfill role. And a guy like that, you don't need him to be uh, his injury concerns. Aren't as big of a deal. If he's that sort of break in case of emergency, everything's gone terribly wrong. We just need a guy to spot fill. Then his past injuries aren't as big of a deal for me. And a lot of that was soft tissue stuff that he was dealing with. And as long as he's past that and that they can get behind that, I think that would be a good fit for the bills. Um, but this team too, I think fans forget, you know, uh, they, they like Dane Jackson. They've been confident in him and they like Cam Lewis a lot uh, in, in Buffalo. And so I think anyone they bring in, like you said, Bruce is going to be a break in case of emergency, probably a game day inactive for a while, unless Dane Jackson just bites every single, uh, uh, double move for the next couple of weeks. And they just can't live with that anymore. I want to propose something to both of you right now. And what this question is going to prove is everyone's trust 
in the McDermott bean process. Damon Arnett. I'm just going to say the name and I'm going to let you guys tell me that's a crazy idea. That's idiotic. I, I recognize and I know the off the field issues that we're talking about here. Multiple hit and run incidents. Um, he was late to meetings a lot. Uh, he's an immature guy. Uh, and he was on a video with a, with a firearm. Um, all pretty large red flags. This is a franchise under this leadership group that has not really shown an interest in plucking those types of players. I will say this. If they do a move like that, if they bring him, even if it's just a practice squad edition and get him in here, get your arms around him, see what type of player he is, see how he responds to this leadership group. Is that to you a move of pure desperation? They've said before, you know, this whole process and culture stuff, Brandon Means come out and said, it's not about choir boys. Right. Like they, that is not, I think people read those quotes and think, oh, they just want good guys, guys without issues, no red flags. I, I don't know that that's the case. That's a tough one, man. Cause you're talking about a number of it. You're not just talking about a guy with an incident that, uh, you know, maybe you can talk about and say, Hey, he had a rough spot. And we're going to bring him in and get over that. And I also think you're at a real fine line here with this team. Even I was a little bit concerned about how those benchings would resonate through this yeah. locker room. And would McDermott start to lose and fracture some of those because we saw, you know, Quentin Spain wasn't on this team. We, we'd kind of heard he didn't like the benching and, and there was some uproar from him in the locker room and that he didn't like that decision. And so I could have seen these benches going the same way. And I don't you bring a guy like in. Yeah. I think that reeks a little bit too much of desperation. And I do think there's a couple of other options in free agency that are safer in terms of red flags that they know and that they, they're not going to be confident in that they can play, but that they know the scheme and they know the system and they've, they've gotten a good look at them. So I think, yeah, that, that might be a, a hail Mary. We're totally desperate. Things have totally fallen off at cornerback. In my opinion, everything in life is a value proposition, everything. It's what you yeah. give versus what you get. And if Damon Arnett was someone who was immensely productive and incredibly talented and really, really good. And he had these drawbacks that would be one thing. But Damon Arnett wasn't good as a Raider. The last time we saw him good was halfway through his senior year. And I, and how about this last I, year at Ohio State? If I could, though, Bruce, I, I think if you are Sean McDermott and you're Brandon Bean, I think you take one look at any of the players, the young players that have been drafted as of late by the, by the Las Vegas Raiders, and I'm not sure that is an atmosphere and an environment a, in a situation that allows young players to come in and play well and thrive and are surrounded by veterans that can show them the way. Um, I, I, if, if I were to say, I guess if I were to make an argument for Damon Arnett, he gives me a little bit more juice than Daryl Wardley. He gives me a little bit more juice than an EJ Gaines who hasn't played meaningful football in more than a full calendar year. He right. gives me a little more juice than Kevon Seymour. Or, you know, name one of these players, uh, a Quentin Dunbar, who... Amukamara or Prince Amukamara, who, you know, frankly, that might be the one name, Aaron, I that I say... Yeah. That, and, and here's what I They had him in for a tryout at one point last year. I think they had him in, in the building at some point. And listen, you're talking about a guy who has thrived and made a career playing zone corner. So I think right. if you're going to... And, and, and guys, if we can, for a moment here... Talk about, and Aaron, I'll, I'll kind of let you take this, is 
this is a far greater domino effect injury if this is a football team that that is predicated on tons of zero blitz we're putting our corners on an island that is not what this defense does they are they stick to their principles a lot of cover two a lot of quarters and stay in your zone don't get beat over the top and if you do you have help and I, and i think that is that that's the one thing that i guess is my saving grace of this whole thing aaron is this is not a defense. This isn't the Kansas City Chiefs. This isn't Marcus Peters getting injured in a defense that leaves their corners out on an island. Yeah. Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier believe in their scheme. And I think that uh, if there's an area of this team where they've gotten more out of less, it's been in the defensive backfield throughout the years of the McDermott regime here so far. So that's something that gives me hope. I think you can hide some of that in zone coverage uh, with the elite safety play. We saw that uh, Dane Jackson got beat on that Jordan Poyer interception. Jordan Poyer is an elite safety. He made up for that play. So some of the stuff you can hide with the players in the middle of that uh, back seven that we talked about. And some of you can hide with disguised coverage looks. So yeah, I think finding corners in free agency that have a history of playing zone, you know they're not going to be out of position a lot and can make plays and not get beat. I think that's really the answer right now going forward for this team. And that it, it won't look as good as they had it with Trey, but that maybe you can get by and it, it's not a total just leaking out all the time and just getting beat all the time. Question from the comments from Joe Miller, and I want to bring this up. Does the Trey injury push the Bills' offensive philosophy back into all-in mode. Do you see a change on offense due to the injury on defense? Is this a scenario where early in the year, in 2020, the Bills were going balls to the wall because their defense wasn't helping at all. The defense did not open 2020 strong. And so because of it, it was hyper-aggression from Sean McDermott, Brian Dable, and the Bills' offense. Is this a scenario where the Bills shift offensive mentality because of a defensive injury? It's tough because I think some of that 2020 was people saying, Josh Allen, you need to prove that you can beat us and be this guy that they think you can be. He did prove it and then teams changed the way that they played the Buffalo Bills this year and the Bills still haven't quite figured out how to break those cover two soft shell type looks and so when they do try to go all in they've had struggles they've they've had at times where they've tried to go hey we're going to go deep Josh is going to press to make plays deep and actually when they've had more success with what we saw against the Saints this last week where they uh, a lot shorter throws getting the ball out quick timing throws and stuff like that so I think they're finding out who they are this year I think they're going to start to come in their own but what I will say is how you take pressure off the defense is score more points so I think Sean McDermott is going to put a lot of onus on Brian Dable in this offense to say hey we need you now you know the defense has lifted us through more than a half of this season they've really carried this team to these amount of wins we need the offense to start going toe to toe with offenses and be that team that can get into shootouts and win any game against any team in the nfl and so i i don't know if it changes to a total uh change in from conservative to just all out we're going to pass and, and line it up crazy but i do think they're going to put a lot more pressure on the offense to lead the team to victory I think it's important you brought that up because the book on Josh Allen has changed so many times mm. since he was a rookie. And we have a tendency to kind of forget the old narrative when it is displaced, displaced by the new narrative. And during the 2019 season, the discussions were, what are you going to do about cover one and cover zero? Right. W what are you going to do about that? What's the plan? How are you going to, when you bring pressure, how are you going to 
beat it. Josh Allen has to learn. Josh Allen has to learn. Josh Allen has to learn over and over and over again. The Ravens in 2019, same thing. It was, what are you going to do? The Steelers, what are you going to do? And so that's going to be the book on Josh Allen until he makes you change the book. That's the way it works. So coming into 2020, that was still the book. It was still, this is Josh Allen. And no matter how many times early in the season, teams got burned by it. It was sample size issue. Mm -hmm. It was okay. Well, yeah, he burned us once. Yeah. Okay. Well, the offense burned us once, but we don't have statistically significant sample size to be able to change the book. And now you're getting the Patrick Mahomes treatment. That's what you're getting. You're Mm -hmm. getting the Patrick Mahomes treatment for Josh Allen. And it's Mm -hmm. the onus becomes on Brian Dable and Josh Allen to be able to stop that. And so I think that you can see a level of aggression from the offense. That's true, but you're not necessarily going to see schematically the same things because you're not seeing schematically the same things on defense that you were seeing before. Nate's got the final question. Yeah. And, and where I wanted to end with you, I think is, is somewhere in between the establishing of this running game with Matt Breida, who, you know, listen, I I didn't think lit lit the world on fire in that first half, you know, only averaged 2.9 yards per carry at the end of that game, as did, Devin Singletary, but I think that there was a level of effectiveness and calming that Matt Breida brought to this lineup across the board in the passing game. He has been responsible as a as a pass blocker. Aaron, what did you see yesterday, of, if anything, from this offense against a defense that was missing some pieces, but for the most part, still had you know Cam Jordan, still had uh, Mark uh, Marshawn Lattimore on the outside, still had their safety duo. Like, what did you see on Thursday night that makes you think that the the lineup we're seeing at the running back position, Breida and Singletary, and 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 swapping in the hot hand of those two as the formula moving forward? And and I'm asking this because I want to know if if you believe I'm going to get this this lobster, if I'm going to have like the greatest sports bet comeback of all time. Bruce being up six to one on me in games, by the way, Aaron, um, I bet Bruce, a, a, a lobster dinner that Matt Brito would play more games. It'd be active for more games than Zach Moss would by the right. end of the season. Yeah. And uh, it did not look good as of like three weeks ago. It's looking, looking really good, good for me looking now. Good. Is looking that going to be really like a fresh main lobster? I'm a, a oh, main guy. Yeah. So, okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. I think you're going to win that. I think you're going to enjoy yourself some lobster. Uh, and, and so the Matt Breida surge and, and they were talking about him, you know, earning the right to play those reps. I do believe he was earning the right to get more reps and to get a little bit more involvement in this offense. But I think it's just as much of an indication as the descent of Zach Moss uh, correlating with at the same time. So it, it's not all that Breida is fantastic. I saw a lot of takes yesterday that Matt Breida is running back. Number one, there's still no RB one on the Buffalo Bills. They're just, isn't. they're going to feed the hot hand. It's not always going to be hot. Uh, it, to the point of that last game, I still think, you know, a lot of people in the national media are talking about, well, this Saints team was just so beat up. That was mostly on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. This defense is still a very good defense that the Bills played, especially against the run. Number one in DVOA against the run. I think it was like number one on first down against the run. So some of those stats, uh, the 2.9 yards of carry, not totally crazy against the Saints team. Uh, the only teams we've really seen bust up the Saints were the Eagles, and that was a lot of the read option stuff with Jalen Hurts, which Josh Allen you don't want to see him doing a lot of the Jalen Hurts type stuff. He doesn't have that type of readability. So um, I love what we're seeing out of Matt Breen in terms of, Nate, I know you're a big speed guy. Yeah. But, but my concern was I saw in the preseason, I was at that Packers game. 
it was just speed and he was he was pulling some of the cj spiller stuff where he was trying to bounce to the edges and just always get there but what we're seeing now is his ability to set up a little bit more and set up blockers and then use the speed to get out and that's what the bills in my opinion have really been lacking and you know we saw it bust through in that screen uh, his ability to get the explosive plays people that follow our show and know me know i love explosive plays so I, I love having him on the field i think they need to continue to manufacture him five to eight special type touches uh we've all wanted that isaiah mckenzie rollback i think brita can be some of that if, mm-hmm. if isaiah mckenzie is going to continue to be inactive uh, but singletary ran hard at times too i think people sleep on you know that he's still a decent mediocre nfl running back uh some of this is the offensive line too guys it's still not good uh, I don't know if getting John Feliciano back is going to be better, but getting Spencer Brown back in this next stretch is going to make it better. So that's what I really want to see is now that you've established, all right, Zach Moss, he's descending. We've got Singletary. We've got Burita. We like that a little bit. How much better does that look when the line is our best version of an offensive line in mm-hmm. Buffalo? And that's what I'm excited to see in the next few weeks. Mr. Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Thanks so much for taking time. Thanks uh, for Friday having me tonight, guys. On Black Friday. Yeah. Yes. be a part of food for thought. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social? If they don't already for some on. reason. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Okay. Let, 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 real quick, real quick plug here. Okay? Yeah, man. So Aaron said and mentioned earlier that he's going to have to delete his Twitter again. For those of you who do, do not know kidding. that <laughs> last year, Aaron had to delete his Twitter. He stepped away from the show for a while and he came back and because of it, he fell a little behind where he was as far as, follower count goes and all that stuff so stop what you're doing right now you can put this on pause you can go to twitter you can find him at aaron quinn 716 go ahead and hit that follow button for him because you know he fell a little bit behind where the targets were and we need to make sure that we get him all caught up so real quick plug go follow aaron quinn also tell everybody where they can find you as far as your content what you're up to what's going on cover one I, well, I really appreciate that uh, from both of you guys. I appreciate you guys having me on and giving us a platform here. And if you don't know, you can find me on the Cover One Buffalo show with my good friend, Greg Thompson. Uh, every Wednesday, we do a preview show, and then we have a post-game show uh, live after the games. Um, follow the whole Cover One network. Uh, guys are really busting their butts this time of year to, to bring you guys good content. So you can find us there. Uh, and again, on Twitter at AaronQuinn716. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Thanks, Thanks so much, brother. guys. Appreciate it. A reminder. That Aaron Quinn and all other guests are brought to you on the Genesee Brewing Company guest hotline. That's right, Genesee Brewing. Look at all the look at all the the stuff we've got going on. We got the Genesee icon in the top corner of the show. Nate is wearing a Genesee shirt. I feel like I need a Jenny shirt. Nate, I got I feel you. Like I, I, got I need you. I need a Jenny shirt. So I got you. I'll make sure I, I I'll DM you. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, I got get, you. we'll get a Jenny shirt on there. I appreciate that. I Maybe you. I can make up for uh, any potential any potential uh, lobster that I might have to buy. Although a reminder, a reminder that if both Zach Moss and Matt Breida are active, it's a push. It's nobody, a push. nobody gets that. So there's that. Are we also, at six, two right now. Also it's six, two in my favor. And also if somebody gets hurt that week doesn't count. Doesn't count because all three of them have to be healthy. Singletary Moss Breida all have to be healthy. So if Zach Moss gets hurt, doesn't count. If David Singletary gets hurt, I don't get credit for Zach Moss being active that week because Devin Singletary was hurt at that Correct. point. So that doesn't, that doesn't count either. So Bill's fan, 1970 says decent mediocre. He's referring to Aaron Quinn saying that about Devin Singletary. Yes. I would absolutely use those words to describe yeah. Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary is fine. And that's what you're going to get when you get a running back with his athletic profile or 
lack of athletic profile and it, as it relates to his peers in the NFL at the running back position. So, yeah, I'd say fine is the answer for Devin Singletary. I think he's a completely rosterable back. I think he will be an NFL running back for probably the next six years. Yeah. Somebody will have him in their running back room and will be happy to have that. Spin0481 says, what if Singletary gets hurt and Moss is still inactive and Breed is active? I, I don't know. We haven't thought about that. I would imagine I would give Nate credit for that. that feels, yeah. I, I, that feels like I, I, would give him, I would give him a point for that one. Moss that would like be inactive. Yeah. I mean, Moss is yeah. inactive. I, I mean, it, that would be, that would be, that would be something. And I think it would probably what signal the end of his, his tenure here. Not that I believe there, there seemingly is a future right now for Zach Moss, the way that this has gone this year, this has sort of been a nightmare scenario. I think Bruce for Moss, because listen, this is a guy that came in with, I think a lot of expectations. Um, I don't believe he has brought at times at the consistency level that I think all of us wanted to see him have that physicality. I think the other thing that's disappointing, Bruce, we talk about ceilings and, and floors all the time, right? When we're talking about players, the thing with Moss is that his, his floor was supposed to be really high. Yeah. Like it, it was supposed he was supposed to be out of the package, ready to come into an NFL offense and be a weapon. And he just does not, and has not shown, at least in my opinion, the foot speed necessary to be a contributor to an NFL offense, not just here in Buffalo, but as an NFL offense as, as a whole, he has, Jordan Howard vibes to him. Oh, oh, that's uh, that might be at this point in Zach Moss's career, that might be an insult to Jordan Howard. Yeah, no, I mean, Jordan Howard finds his way back in every once in a while, runs, has four carries from the two yard line, and finishes games with two touchdowns. I mean, right. he has no yardage output whatsoever, but my guy gets to the two yard line and he gets fed the rock. All he just needs a, a, a blacked out visor. Uh, to oh Jessica. Okay, now Jessica says at Bruce, Jessica. you seem more like a Utica Club kind of guy. I'm well, a UC guy, Nate. I don't know if this is an insult or not. I don't know what Utica Club is. Someone, please help me. Is Jessica what? giving me a compliment? Is she giving me an insult? What's happening right now? I don't know what's happening. Nate is leaving. Nate is getting up. He's throwing his. He is throwing his earbuds. Bruce, on the table, he's Utica walking club? away. I don't know what the Utica Club is. What is the Utica Club? Last week, I had, I had to turn my screen off last week. This week, I had to literally throw down my, my, my headphones and walk off stage. How Utica Club is one of the finest Pilsner beers that you can go, you can find pretty much anywhere. Who makes it's it? from you. It's it's fantastic, Bruce. It is like they they come in sixteen ounces. They come in uh, they they come in normal, but there, there's a couple of bars here locally in Buffalo that have Utica Club on draft, and like that's usually where I'm trying. I I like to go to the places that have Utica Club on draft. Let me it's let fantastic. me ask you something. Is this sure. a re is this a regional thing that I would have no reason to know because I'm not from Western New York? Um. I level so. with me here level I, with me here because if this is a regional thing you cannot be upset at me i've spent oh, no meaningful time in buffalo saranac uh bruise it hmm. if that helps no it doesn't so saranac i believe is based in new york state it's a uh a, 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 a matt brewing company which 
I think, I mean, that's a nationwide beer, uh, Saranac, right? Um, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you that you should have had it if you enjoy a good Pilsner. I've I, never even seen it being sold at any of my local stores. I'm not sure we're even allowed to be talking about Utica Club, but I will, I will, I will tell you that it is a fantastic Pilsner lager. Well, I, I just, I drink red eyes here. That's what I drink. I drink red, dogs? red eyes, red eyes, red dogs. You ever have a red dog? No. What's a red dog? You, you don't remember. You don't remember red dog. I don't Bruce, understand what's happening right now. Bruce. Were, Bruce I'm feeling were very never, lost. Were you never poor in college? Like I, I, you know, when I went to Buff oh, state across Nate, the street. Nate, yeah, no, no. See, we, we got to understand. So my college experience, we haven't had this conversation. Okay. So I Here did not get the go to college experience. That was not a thing that I did. I worked full time during the day and went to college at night and paid my way through school for six years to get my undergrad from the Ohio huh. State University. That's right. I am an alum. It was discussed earlier. I am an alum. Ooh. I have an undergraduate degree from the Ohio State University. So for me, I, I worked all day and then I went to school at night. So the whole go away to college, mm. live in a dorm, do the parties, have the drinks, like none of that applied to me. I had none of those things. So for me, all of this stuff people talk about, oh man, college was the best years of your life. I was like, no, college was terrible. It was the worst I for you, yeah. I just so here's the thing, college. Bruce. I was so right. glad when it was done. And and as Richard, I think, so kindly says and, and rightfully says in here, um, Ohio is a natty light state. And that is, that is exactly true. Um, but what I will say about Red Dog is... Uh, back in 2010, when I was a freshman at Buffalo State College, uh, which is not far from here, uh, but I lived on campus. I played football. So football, if you played a sport, you, you basically were forced to live on campus. Um, across the street on Grant Street, there was a Topps Friendly Markets. And in that Topps Friendly Markets had a 30-pack of Red Dog beer for $13.99. And that is the 30-pack of beer that we would go and get every Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday night. And I would drink 15 Red Dogs uh, over the course, you know, of, of several hours. Um, and uh, one of my friends, uh, God bless his soul, he didn't die. He just dropped out of college because he drank too much Red Dog. Um, so, and he also gained like 65 pounds because it's a malt beverage and it was not good. Um, and, and it's, have you ever... Um, Oh my gosh. Steel Reserve. Do you remember? Does that sound oh, I'm familiar, familiar with Steel Reserve. Reserve? Yes. Okay. So think of Steel Reserve if somebody really was a disgruntled employee and made it worse. That would be Red Dog. Oh, excellent. Mm -hmm. Jessica, bringing us back. By the way, we all love Jenny Beard. Darn straight we do. Damn I straight. I can't even tell you how excited I was when Genesee Brewing Company became the sponsor of this show. I was yep. like, this is so perfect. In every way, I, mm. I literally, if you asked me to come up with the best sponsor possible for a show between Nate and I called Food for <laughs> Thought that takes place on Friday evenings where you're supposed to sit back, put your pajamas on and crack a beer with us and talk football and food. It was Jenny. That was yep. the number one person on my list. So I am so, so, so excited. So we, we, we got to, we, we got to move on. We, we got stuff to okay, talk about. I, I agree. We got a few minutes. And we've got a mailbag. We have a mailbag question here. And I want to make sure that I get through it. And specifically, it was talking about food for thought. And 
it was from a gentleman named Don. And Don sent me this email and he said that, hey, you remember when you asked us about the Bills-Jets game? I said, yeah, yeah, I remember the Bills-Jets game. Mm -hmm. What kind of meal it was? I have a take and I want to hear you. I said, okay, let's find this. And I think this is going to apply to future games, which is the reason why I wanted to bring it up, even though the Bills-Jets game was a while ago. And he says, I like hearing all your food opinions. I feel the same way you do about IPAs and the same way Nate feels about eggnog. And I'm from Rochester. I respect your view on garbage plates. With that said, I would like to describe my perfect meal to describe Bill's Jets. Spoiler alert, it's a garbage plate. Imagine, if you will, a bunch of things that go well individually. Targets to Stefan Diggs, end arounds and speed while confusing with misdirection, press up the middle, and flavors coming out of nowhere to pluck the opposing quarterback's throws from the sky. Then layer it all together such that the different flavors come together, building on top and enhancing each other such that it becomes a masterpiece of culinary satisfaction. And when it is done, you lean back, you wipe a hot sauce induced bead of sweat from your forehead and you pause to appreciate what was just experienced with so much satisfaction that you are ready yet to look into the next week when the bills play again or when Bill Gray's have their discounted garbage plate day. Thanks for letting me share. Let me ask you, Nate, you and I have talked about garbage plates before. So you and I thinking that a game is a garbage plate is very different than John thinking a game is a garbage plate for right. sure. And this is one of the great things about this show is that de describing it and just saying that game was a garbage plate. That's not good enough because I don't know what you think about a garbage plate. So I need you to not only tell me what it was, I need you to elaborate. I need you to explain. That's why I spent all that time explaining why it was a glass of water and it still wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. It still wasn't good enough to convince you, even though I was thrilled. I thought my popcorn analogy earlier this episode was fantastic, by the way. So I hope we all appreciated the popcorn in reference. So uh, I, I did an experiment, Bruce. I ran an experiment. I built an eye the science guide something and... Um, it has been exactly one week since I tried eggnog, right? And I decided, Bruce, I think I would like to fully just wean myself off of eggnog for good. Um, so after which, after I took my last sip, I closed it up and I put it on my desk. And there had has sat three quarters full since last Friday. No. It's still there. It barely moves. The coagulation moves. has begun. That is that is the grossest thing. You did not refrigerate the eggnog. Ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this in podcast form, Nate has decided to hold his milk punch up to the camera and shake it slowly back and forth. Do not open that, Joe Miller. Joe Miller in the comments, do not open that. You're right. <laughs> the smell will get you, Nate. You will inadvertently drop your headphones and inadvertently turn off your camera because you will collapse on. So the, the crazy thing about it, Bruce is first of all, the cap at the top is protruding upwards. So there is some the level gas. of gaseous. Yep. There's a gaseous uh, thing inside of this, uh, inside of this abomination. But here's the most interesting thing is it is actually split into three separate bodies, uh, which I think is the most interesting part of this. The top, which is mostly the, the cream, then there's a center liquid and then almost like a bottom syrup. Um, 
it's one of I you know it's it's disgusting. But like the 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 concerning part is that the bottle is actually like it doesn't sit. It 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 kind of bobs, like it doesn't sit flat because the bottom has started to protrude out and the top has started to as well. I don't know if you can. I don't know if you can see the top of that, but it's it's not flat any longer. Um, so the social experiment, I'm going to throw a Mentos in it later and see if that does anything. Padden with two great comments in the comments section. Number one, that is an eggnog. It's Eggert at this point, <laughs> which is totally, totally perfect. And also, how much we got a tip to open nah, this thing. Listen, nah. I am bribable. Nobody... I am 100% bribable. I do not know what Nate is. Joe Miller says $100 super chat if Nate drinks it. Nate, nope. would you drink that for a hundred dollars? Nah, I don't. Oh, I wouldn't man. even open it for a hundred dollars. No, because here's the thing: nobody on here. I, first of all, I don't want to have to replace my equipment because after I blew chunks, uh, like into my expensive 4K camera, I I don't think I'll do that. Um, but this is my girlfriend yesterday, or maybe it was two days ago, I was sitting at my desk, just you know, doing my work, and she's like, "Why is that still on your desk? Can you please throw it out?" I said, "No, I need it to. I need it for the end of the show tomorrow." And here I am. I might keep it for another week. I don't know. But if it explodes, then I'm have a real problem because I'm not totally convinced that this thing isn't used in biological weapons. All right, Nate, this is going to be the running joke right here. You're going to keep it the rest of the year. You're going to keep <laughs> it there. You're going to keep it in a plastic bag in the event that it ruptures. Smart, smart. Right? Ruptures, keep it in a plastic bag. Yes. And every week we will come back and we will check in on the eggnog to see how it's going. Richard Rush in the comment section says $100 wouldn't cover hospital experiences. <laughs> you're a hundred, you're a hundred percent right. Patton says, save it for the Super Bowl. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just open it and chuck it into the crowd. Yeah. Just, yeah, so, yeah. I don't know if you know this, Nate, I feel like this show has a very morning show energy to it. Does it yes, not? It, does. Yes, it, it has does. a very more, like we have things we're going to talk about. We have, you know, we have food topics. We have, football topics. We're going to have all these serious conversations and all stuff like this, but it has a very morning show sort of vibe to it. We're all just in here having a good time. It's a good time. Okay. We're going to finish it up the way we always do winners and losers, baby with a digestive. We're going to say winners and losers this week in the NFL. Nate, do you want to go first? Yeah. I'll say biggest loser. If that's good with you. Absolutely. Biggest loser turkeys. They got obliterated this week. I mean, had no chance in hell. They couldn't run away from defenders. Uh, ACLs are no good. I know that's a little, you know, that's a little uh, sensitive subject. ACLs right now, but yeah, turkeys. I, I mean, just absolutely could not break away from the defense. Could not break away from the man coverage. They are fit, getting physical to the line of scrimmage. They cannot create any separation whatsoever. Loser of the week, turkeys. I'm going to go loser of the week, Dallas Cowboys. The reason why Dallas Cowboys are the loser of the week is because, number one, they lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Raiders. But also, goodness gracious, does anyone want to be a great team in the NFL this year? Does anybody want to be a great team? Usually by this time in the NFL year, there is still a dominant singular team that has zero losses or one loss, and we're all focused on them, and they're the Super Bowl favorite, and we're moving forward, and that's not how it's rolled out. In addition... Now there's some rumors that they're going to rest Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I have long had a hot take that I think Tony Pollard is probably yeah, a better, better running back yeah. than Ezekiel Elliott. But he's but, not getting paid $96 million. So, But he's not getting paid $96 million. Yeah. And I haven't taken a gander at the Ezekiel Elliott contract, but I am fairly certain that 
it's not a scenario not. where they can get out nope. really, really easy, which means if they run into a scenario where, you know, Pollard ends up lighting it up for whatever reason, eh, it's not a great time. So I'm pulling it up right now and I'm stalling. The out for them is in 2023 where they can get out. If they try and get out in 2022, Ooh. it's a $30 million dead cap. Ladies and gentlemen, sign your running back to a deal that runs multiple years in where you still can't get out without a $30 million dead cap. And in fact, if they want to get out in Good 2023, Lord. if they want to get out in 2023, it's still 12 million. So it's not like they're getting out scot-free. They can't get out scot-free until 2025. It's crazy, When it's man. a $1.7 million and dead cap. And how will he be in 2025? 30? He'll be 30, Yes. What a terrible contract that was. Holy cow. So for me, biggest loser, Dallas Cowboys. Biggest winner, Nate. Uh, biggest winner has got to be Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think he is using this moment um, in the league right now with no Derrick Henry to really bring himself into that upper echelon conversation. He's the best young running back in the league. I think you can make the argument he's the best running back period in the league. You could take Young right out of there. So um, Jonathan Taylor's performance last Sunday, five total touchdowns, four on the ground, the most um, in franchise history there in Indianapolis. I think Jonathan Taylor is on on a, a, a collision course um, with sort of being the guy that, that Derrick Henry, whenever he falls off his cliff, is sort of passing this, this torch to. Except the thing is, is he's better than Derrick Henry, Bruce. He's a guy that can play... Um, I can play a little bit of a different game than Derek. I think he can play the same physical game that Derek Henry can, except I think he can be a real asset in the past game that I just don't think you get with Derek Henry. So I, I think the biggest winner has got to be Jonathan Taylor. I don't know who, who, who you could possibly top that. I have Jonathan Taylor in fantasy. Football. So you're the biggest winner. I'm the biggest winner. You're the I biggest drafted winner. Jonathan Taylor in dynasty fantasy last year. And I put myself through a little of the rough start. And now I have arguably the most important asset in the league. Yeah. So I'm, I'm down with it. I'm totally down with it. I'll have, you know, they, that uh, Marcel Louis Jacques and I were having a discussion about Jonathan Taylor at the trade deadline. It didn't materialize, but it was, it was, it was going to be a big deal. There was, there was a lot of stuff that was going on. I, I was going to pick somebody else, but I had Jonathan Taylor and I really just quite frankly, don't have any major desire to change my, outcome just because you picked Jonathan Taylor he's that good and he's that dominant and he's he is single-handedly bringing back the do running backs matter narrative and we have spent a lot of time talking about the way that teams are defending Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills offense with the two high the way they're defending Patrick Mahomes and one of the things is you have to do something to get them out of too high and that's bringing the narrative in the national media as it relates to football strategy back to running the ball. Mm -hmm. It's bringing it back to you don't need to run the ball as a foundational piece of your offense, but you have to be able to do it enough to keep them from just staying all day and too high because then you can't get the explosive plays you want to get in the right. passing game. And so Jonathan Taylor is almost by himself bringing that back because Carson Wentz has been eh. This year, he hasn't been as bad as he was last year. Fine. He's right. been, fine. been fine. Last time I did QB Stew, I think he was in the 16 to 19 range. And I would anticipate after week 12, when I do it again, he will do that Oh, as well. So for me, that's a big part of 
why Jonathan Taylor is the biggest winner. It's because he's actually changing the conversation around running backs right now. Yeah. That's how good he's playing. So for me, Jonathan Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, we did the thing. We came, we saw, we ate. Oliver got a half sack, Patton. He got credit for a half sack. He did. So, yes, which is ridiculous, but it is what it is. We came, we saw, we ate. Thank you for joining us here at Food for Thought. And most importantly, I hope you didn't leave hungry.